Hey, what's going on everyone? Hope everyone is doing well and you had a good week. Um, sorry for being out for two weeks, but like I mentioned before, I had a uh, pretty hefty long class that was taking about like 10 hours a day. It was like a week long course, it wasn't anything too long, but it was taking around 10 hours a day. And then also I had that in-person uh, exam the following weekend, so I wasn't able to make it. Stefan, good to see you. Whoever else is here, I see a couple people have joined in. Good to see you as well, Caesar. Good to see you guys. So I haven't been on for a little bit while, so I might be a little bit rusty on this one. But we're going to be covering a new topic today. Uh, that's going to be a little bit overshadow what we covered before. Daniel, good to see you. And it's, it's important, especially with the New Year's coming up, because a lot of people are going to have New Year's resolutions, obviously things they want to accomplish or things they want to do differently than they did in 2021, and um, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to cover that today. And the subject of today is basically uh, the importance of being kind of selfish uh, and how that could actually help you achieve uh, like the mental and physical health and the aesthetic physique you want to achieve. And I'll kind of elaborate a little bit more in detail during the video uh, because a lot of people could be obviously thrown off. They're like, oh, what do you mean like being selfish? Selfish is usually uh, thought as like something bad or something negative. But honestly, Rob, good to see you. Hope everything's going well. Uh, so being selfish is obviously most of the time kind of perceived as something negative. Uh, but a lot of times, honestly, from being like, um, you know, a fat loss and a holistic and aesthetics coach for 14 years, I find it's people that are a little bit too selfless that oftentimes uh, find themselves in patterns of excess like obesity or not looking the way they want to look or not feeling they want to uh, not feeling how they want to feel. Vince, good to see you. Rob as well, etc., uh, etc. Et and they they try boot camps and they try hiring registered dietitians and nutritionists, but they just always kind of like remain overweight or don't achieve their goals or maybe achieve their goals but then kind of. Uh, go back to their old ways eventually. You know, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen many of these friends that have lost 20 or 30 pounds and then you see them uh, two or three years later and they're not only 20 pounds overweight now, but they're like 30 pounds overweight. So oftentimes when you kind of question these people and you talk to them, I mean, they'll always have some type of priority ahead of them outside of themselves. You know, they'll say like, uh, you know, a lot of people reach out to me on Facebook and they ask how I'm doing and I would go like, oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. And then I would ask how they're doing. And most always they're kind of like, oh, I'm very busy working. I'm doing this. I'm very busy taking care of this person, taking care of this task, taking care of this task. And they literally never mention or running for this or trying to get this promotion. And they never mention like literally anything about their mental or physical health. And then they always wonder why they run into, you know, cyclical patterns of depression, unstoppable anxiety, excessive body weight, uh, body fat gain, excessive fatness. Their body never looks how they want it to look. Uh, Devin, good to see you. Augusto, good to see you, et cetera, et cetera. And, and these are all symptoms, guys. So these are all symptoms, you know, like uh, fat gain has, is seen as a symptom. It's a, it's a symptom of poor lifestyle and nutritional choices. And we'll kind of break it down a little bit more in detail uh, in this video. But basically, you know, the importance of, of being selfish, knowing how to say no and setting healthy boundaries for yourself to optimize your mental and physical health is going to be very important uh, in 2022 if, you know, your mental and physical health is a priority, which I feel it should be no matter what your goal in life is. Because even if you want to be like a computer programmer, business owner, 
whatever, the president of a company. I mean, how are you gonna accomplish those things without being mentally and physically healthy? You're simply not. If you're not mentally and physically healthy, you can't take on grand tasks or big projects and expect to finish them. You're just not gonna have the vitality, the energy and the health to be able to do that. And that even if your goal is just to have like an amazing physique, which is totally okay, if it's even, if it's even that, you're still not gonna be able to achieve that. If you kind of don't master some of the principles we're gonna be talking about in today's video. So for me personally, like I always, uh, I always prioritize my like mental and physical health uh, ahead of all other things because I've been doing coaching for, for quite a while now. And honestly, I started as very, very part-time, maybe like five, 10 hours a day, five, 10 hours a week uh, while I was still at the University of California, Irvine. So I was looking, you know, for a job that I would naturally accelerate at and just enjoy, and uh, that would also give me the time flexibility to focus on my studies, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of like coincidentally uh, started doing coaching, helping people with their health and wellness goals, and I've noticed one distinct thing, because most of the people that kind of reach out to me for coaching are in their 30s or 40s, and I noticed one distinct thing, that if you don't put your mental and physical health as a priority, and Quinn, good to see you, Ryan, Alex, good to see you. If you don't put your mental and physical health as a priority, uh, but, you know, by the time you get to 30, by the time you get to 40, you're just not going to be looking that great, okay? You're just not going to be looking that great, and definitely you're not going to be feeling great. Gut issues, anxiety, depression, adrenal fatigue, which leads to uh, energy issues, you know, just being chronically tired all the time, and uh, bone issues, back pain, shoulder pain, joint pain, whatever, you name it. And it adds up, and it's not like... I kind of looked at these people and although they're successful in what they're doing, I just felt their quality of life was just very, very poor. And I didn't want to be that way. So I kind of learned just naturally, I was already kind of inclined to put mental and physical health as my priority, but kind of seeing a lot of these clients made it even more so important because the end road was already obvious. You know, I'm like, well, if I just go down this path of not prioritizing my mental and physical health, I'll just end up like this with a lot of issues and not being able to enjoy, uh, you know, whatever I've accomplished in life or whatever I've worked towards in life. And that's just kind of how it works. Okay. Uh, Jose, good to see you. So, so going back a little bit or going for, fast forward a little bit, I ended up taking a course at the Czech Institute that was hosted by, uh, who later became one of my close friends, a guy named Jator Pierre. And in class, I think it was on the second day or third day, it was like a holistic health coaching certification course. And he mentioned that, uh, you know, um, it's important to have your needs met first if you want anything to last long term, whether it be a relationship or a job. Okay. And it's important to have those needs met first, because if you don't, what ends up happening in a long enough time frame is you grow disgruntled towards the work, okay? Or you grow disgruntled towards the partner because they're not meeting your needs. And then there's a lot of bitterness and a lot of tension and obviously it doesn't work out long-term. That's why you have a lot of people that are very miserable with their work uh, and very miserable with their relationships or friendships, et cetera, et cetera. Because they kind of, for the most part, like a lot of times don't even know their core values that would indicate which type of relationships or which type of work they should go into. They're just going off of a lot of, you know, social programming or fear-based programming where it's like, I have to do this for a paycheck or I have to be with this person because I'm getting too old or something like something, something, something. 
and they end up settling, you know, they end up settling and it gives them kind of short-term anxiety relief, but really it's kind of at a huge uh, expense long-term that leads to misery, obesity, and disease. So we're gonna break this down in, in relation to fat loss, okay? Because it is a very popular topic and it's a topic we cover a lot on this channel and in this group. So here's, here's how we're gonna break it down. And I'm gonna break down the etiology tree of how it works. So a lot of times, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to view fat gain as a symptom. That's key and that's very important, okay? And it's a symptom of basically poor lifestyle and nutrition choices, okay? But it doesn't end there. A lot of times people will just stop there and not kind of dig any deeper and not peel back any more of those layers of the layers of the onion or something of that sort, okay? And they would just get on a nutrition program or they would sign up for the cheapest boot camp in town or find some uh, rent-a-friend personal trainer and they'll just go there and just kind of focus on there. And it's okay, it will, it will, most of the time, if you do follow the instructions and you are consistent, you will actually end up uh, losing your weight. Uh, a lot of the times, I would say not most of the times, because a lot of people that do embark on uh, you know, fat loss journeys end up also not losing weight because of either poor coaching or poor compliance, et cetera, et cetera, many reasons. But anyways, the, the vast majority of people would just focus on that. They're like, well, I'm overweight. I have too much fatness on my body that I don't appreciate. And I'm just gonna, I just need to change my diet and I just need to change my, uh, just need to work out a little bit more or something of that sort. And they kind of stop there and they end up losing their weight. But in the end, because they never, you know, changed the environment that led to all that weight gain and they never changed the belief system that made it acceptable to get into that environment to begin with, they always end up regaining their weight. And always might be a strong word. I'll rather say a phrase like most of the time end up regaining their weight. And you see this all the time. You see this all the time in gyms and with your friends and family members. They lose 20, 30 pounds. They regain it. And in fact, from my personal experience of being like a fat loss coach for a long time, I've noticed the clients, John Powers, good to see you. Bob, good to see you. I've noticed the, uh, Kenji, good to see you as well. I haven't heard from you in a long time. Uh, I've noticed the clients that ended up keeping their weight off most always change their occupation or change like some huge factor in their lifestyle after completing their fat loss journey. Because I keep in touch with a decent amount of them. And those are the ones that are most likely to keep all their fat off. And the ones that weren't stayed in the job that led them to all the weight gain and most definitely kept the belief system or didn't change the belief system enough that led them to find it acceptable to be in that job or that relationship or that environment, okay? The environment being an umbrella term for, you know, what encompasses the majority of their hours of the day. So. Once again, most people would just stop there. They would focus on nutrition and uh, working out a little bit more, okay? So, but that, that too is a symptom of a belief system that doesn't facilitate health conscious choice, that doesn't facilitate the right food choices, doesn't facilitate the right environment to, you know, optimize the biological human being, for example, because remember, uh, Vince, I'm probably going to be looking for a career change in 20... That's huge, man. And that takes a lot of guts. A lot of people aren't willing to do that, but then they always wonder why they're full of obesity, sickness, and disease because they never changed the environment that led them to all those problems to begin with. So props to you. Hopefully you set a good example for a lot of people uh, because that's a super important move and even far more important than 
changing your diet and getting on some cheesy schmeasy boot camp uh, 30 day challenge program or something uh, something silly of that sort. So so yeah, so remember guys, we're we're biological you know machines, you can call it, okay? You know, we've spent the Homo sapien has been around 200,000 years. but remember before the Homo sapien, there are many different species of humans. Uh, last time I checked there are 28 plus. But new ones are always being discovered, and all of them went extinct, uh, except for the Homo sapien, we're pretty much the last one standing. Uh, Alex, genuine career in January, but fitness has always been cool. Alex, great job. Uh, once again, that takes a lot of guts, and most people aren't willing to do that. So congratulations, that's that's a huge step forward. Uh, so you guys, you guys could also chat with people in the group, okay? So Vince is doing it, Alex is doing it. So if anyone else feels like their environment, whether it be your work, friendship, relationships, etc., is kind of holding you back, maybe you guys can throw some ideas back and forth and encourage each other to get into an environment that's more conducive to health and wellness, okay? So we've been around, uh, we've been around for, you know, 200,000 years. And, you know, before pre-farming, basically hunter and gatherers were, running around all the time in the sun, in the forest, eating just basically wild meat, wild fish, and wild crops. Remember, this is pre-farming. Even during the initial days of farming, I still think it was, it was great because you're just eating pretty much animals that are domesticated animals that are fed a species-specific diet, such as goats, cattle, etc., etc., and just eating crops that are pretty close to their genetic line anyways and haven't been altered too much at that point. Uh, so, for example, like the carrot, a lot of times uh, people think the carrot is actually orange, which it is today, but it actually originated as like a white root in Afghanistan and through hundreds, hundreds of years of selective breeding became like a purple carrot in India and then like a red carrot in China, like many, many hundred years later, and then like a yellow carrot in Turkey. And then it became an um, a orange carrot in like Denmark or the Netherlands, I forget exactly, but around around the European area. So a lot of people see, uh, you know, they think carrots must be orange, but really they're just more like purple and, and white. And the difference between an orange carrot and a purple carrot, for example, in anti-cyanins content, it's like the orange carrot has, or the orange carrot has almost no anti-cyanins where the purple carrot would have around 900% um, more anti-cyanins, which are potent uh, anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, antioxidant, et cetera, et cetera. So, and this has happened throughout all of the vegetation. We'll cover that in another another topic. But the thing I'm getting at is you want your environment to maybe not be that extreme, but reflect and somehow be conducive and facilitating to how your body is actually evolved to function. And you don't want to be too many standard deviations away from that, or you will inevitably most always develop some type of obesity, mental disease, physical disease, always be going to your local doctor, the medical system, once again, it's great in emergency situations, that's where they really shine. If you have a broken leg, broken arm, etc. cetera. Um, or like me, I had a bad ear infection one time swimming around in Hawaii that quickly spread to my jaw. Uh, so I had antibiotics that helped me, you know, and who knows what would have happened if I didn't have that accessible. But for kind of lifestyle issues, you want to be changing your lifestyle, not symptom managing it with like harmful, possibly harmful phar uh, pharmaceutical drugs, which may get rid of, which may kind of not get rid of, remember, they don't get rid of anything, they just manage symptoms. But also, you know, a few years down the line, 
create four or five other symptoms that are equally as hard to manage. So you kind of dig yourself into a deeper and deeper hole uh, where really all you should have been doing is changing your lifestyle and uh, working out more and more or changing the belief system that led to all those problems to begin with. Uh, so remember, it's a belief system that leads to poor lifestyle and nutritional choices, and it's poor lifestyle and nutritional choices that leads to unwanted fat gain, okay? But wait, like what happened to the belief system? Why did that belief system form? Because a belief system that doesn't facilitate health conscious choices is also a symptom of deeper issues. And the deeper issues could easily be broken down and there's a really good kind of program that Paul Chuck created on this called 1234 Overcoming Obesity and Disease, uh, which basically sets up a really clear etiology tree. And the first and foremost is like I mentioned all the time, People that have weight challenges or repeating health challenges most always kind of have uh, some type of love-hate relationship in their life, okay? So a love-hate relationship can take on many, many patterns. Uh, one of the more common ones is uh, you have like a coworker at work that you don't get along with. It's not that they're a bad person. It's just like they like doing projects this way. You like doing projects that way. And then there's a discrepancy, you know, there's a love-hate relationship there. Could be also with your boss, could be at home as well, you know, like you're married to a person for 10, 15, 20 years, but just you guys naturally diverged and decided to go into different roads and your core priorities changed, but you're kind of staying in the relationship because of, you know, social pressures, financial pressures, or whatever other story you might be telling yourself to kind of stay there and believe in that story. But what happens is this causes, obviously, as you wear masks and the more masks you wear, the more insidious stress you're going to have on the central nervous system. And because you don't, you don't feel safe expressing who you are in that relationship. So, for example, you know, you don't feel safe telling your boss that you only want to work two days a week, which is one of my huge core priorities. So I only try to work two days a week. Uh, because you feel like they'll fire you, you know, and most of the time they would because, you know, a lot of people won't uh, hire you for those. But let's presume, you know, that two days a week is is really, Thomas, good to see you. Uh, let's presume that two days a week is, is a real core priority for you because you feel like your energy is great. You don't feel stressed out. You feel like very, very balanced, etc., uh, etc. Et but you don't feel safe expressing that core need to your boss because you feel like they'll fire you. So because of that, once again, uh, you don't feel safe. It creates that insidious stress on the central nervous system because now you have to wear a mask. You have to show up to work, work five days a week, 10, eight hours a day. Some people work even more, 12 hours a day. Uh, the average American last time I checked works about 55 hours a week, which is I believe like um, around eight hours a day, six days a week, etc. So you're wearing a mask, okay? And you know you're being fake. This causes a lot of, you know you're being fake to yourself. This causes a lot of stress on the central nervous system. And typically what a person does is kind of seek out uh, food in relation to this topic here, seek out food as a source of comfort. Because unlike, you know, that love-hate relationship that you happen to find yourself in, food always gives you love. It accepts you unconditionally for who you are Okay, and it doesn't ask any questions. And also you have that control, which you don't have in the normal, uh, in, in actual life, because you don't have, you feel like you don't have the control to demand two days a week 
of work from your boss. Uh, because if you do, you know, you don't feel safe because you're going to be fired and then you're going to be homeless and uh, you're not going to have food, et cetera, et cetera. Dammer, good to see you. And you just don't feel safe expressing, expressing who you really are. So you seek out food. It accepts you for who you are. And also it, it gives you power. So you feel powerless in this work environment to ask for those two days. But you know when you're eating that Big Mac or you're drinking yourself away on the weekend, there's power there, okay? You can pick it up, drink it whenever you can or eat it whenever you want and put it away. And you just lack that kind of power or you perceive yourself as lacking that type of power in the real world. So this obviously creates a lot of insidious stress on the central nervous system because you're not being true to your spirit, to your core values. It creates you know, poor lifestyle and nutritional choices, which kind of lead to excessive weight gain. And a lot of these people would jump on some boot camp or do something that's fairly inexpensive, like uh, you know, some group training or something of that sort, and they think they're taking the right steps, but really they're, they're navigating their energy in, in a non-productive way, okay? Where really they should be focusing on what's leading them to overeat compulsively or fall into these patterns of deep depression and anxiety, which then they try to treat with like more food or alcohol or stuff of that sort, which kind of leads them up that etiology tree and creates problems. Because even if that boot camp or that coaching is successful or that nutrition coaching is successful, like it's a, unless you change it at that level, it's a very, very high chance of you regaining all that weight again and just creating other forms of disease, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there's one, okay, there's one example, but then also in tandem with that example, you also have uh, a story gap in a person's life. So many people have that love-hate relationship combined with a story gap. And a story gap is basically, uh, like I mentioned in a couple of other videos, let's say a person, um, you know, wants to be like an artist, okay? They wanna be an artist deep down inside, they love art or whatever, example ABC, but they became like a lawyer because it's uh, it's a wealth paved path, kind of more guaranteed income, not saying like income is just thrown at you as a lawyer, no way, it is hard work, okay? It's nothing's given to you there, but it's just more paved, it's more of a clear career choice. Uh, but they feel like the world won't reward them for being an artist because maybe they feel like their art is art is not that good or maybe their art is good but they don't have the business skills to kind of promote that art or something of that sort and because they don't feel safe expressing that in the world because the world they feel the world won't accept them for that they kind of feel in danger like they're not going to be able to make a living and they're going to have to they be homeless which will put them in physical danger obviously not give them access to food uh which will which will not be pleasant obviously so they take they moreover sacrifice kind of like, I'll explain this in a little bit more detail, but their mental health for physical safety initially. And initially it actually does relieve stress. Now they have like a great prestigious title, for example. Um, you know, they're getting a, a steady income. Let's say they joined a law firm, so they're getting clients fed to them. They just have to like attend to these clients. Uh, but you know, three, four, five years later, uh, at the back of their head, they just want to be sitting on the beach and drawing landscapes or drawing people or drawing whatever. So now they're filling out these stressful cases, you know, they're attending to them. But in the back of their head, they're always like, oh man, I just wish I could, 
you know, sit on the beach and draw or just take art classes all day, et cetera, et cetera. Megan, good to see you. Always good to see you on here, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it causes them stress. And now let's say for a typical example, let's say another uh, partner at the law firm fell behind on their cases. Now they have to do their cases and they don't want to already do their own cases more over their partner's cases. And then it, grow, it makes them disgruntled towards the coworkers, which makes them not like their coworkers even more. And you can see how that, that kind of leads into a vicious negative cycle that causes a lot of stress on the central nervous system, which once again, leads them to wanting more food, for example. So in this, in this conversation trend, but it could be addiction to alcohol, it could be addiction to drugs. That happens oftentimes as well. And because it gives them, it gives them power. You know, you can pick up that food whenever you want. You could eat it. it loves you unconditionally, it always accepts you, it gives you pleasure instantly, and you can put it down, it has that power too. Unlike with the law firm example, this person feels like they don't have the power to leave and be true to themselves, which is to be an artist, because they feel it's not safe, like financially safe, etc. So they kind of uh, scapegoat and continue to do that, but it causes them obviously a lot of stress on their central nervous system. So once again, that leads to a, Randy, good to see you, Eric, that leads to poor lifestyle and nutritional choices, or leads to a belief system that leads to poor lifestyle and nutritional choices, and it leads to excessive uh, weight gain, okay? And you guys, you have to remember a lot of times people seek out uh, certain jobs for the financial safety of it, okay? Just to be like physically safe, but in the long enough term, because you're kind of, not true to yourself, it ends up causing like a lot of misery. And if you look up neuroplasticity uh, or a lot of studies in neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity, you'll see that when you do become mentally unhealthy, you become physically unhealthy. So in turn, it always comes back to haunt you, okay? In a sense, you take this job because you feel it gives you financial security, but when you stay in it long enough, especially when you nest in that occupation without a game plan of how to get out of there and be more reflective, of your core values and who you are with the proper occupation, it always comes back and causes physical disease, obesity, cancer, etc. in a long enough time frame. okay? So it makes you physically unsafe in a long enough time frame. So the only time I would kind of accept that personally for myself, if I was using that job as a temporary kind of spring to get to another objective, but never actually nesting in that occupation. And that's kind of very important. There's a huge difference between nesting and just accepting it and not trying to move on and using that as an opportunity to get to the next step, for example, of where you do actually really want to be. And the third, the third example is obviously there are situations where uh, the ladder is leaning against the wrong building. So no matter how high the person climbs in their career, for example, they feel more and more empty the higher they climb in their career uh, because the ladder is is leaned against the wrong building basically. So sometimes people are like, oh, I gotta work really, really, really hard, put in these crazy hours, uh, put up with all this, but you, you wanna be careful. You wanna make sure you're running quickly, but in the right direction. You don't wanna be running quickly, but in the wrong direction, because you're just digging your grave further and further and further. Okay, so that's, that's super important to consider going into 2022, super important. And I know a lot of people in this live aren't, aren't going aren't gonna to listen, and that's okay, because those things are actually really hard to, ch to change. But then don't be surprised if you're constantly running into the same health challenges, obesity challenges, 
um, and if you develop other serious forms of disease later on in life, uh, don't act like all surprised, like, oh, I don't know how this happened. Uh, because oftentimes cancer especially takes like 10 years of, of purposely kind of beating your body and mind up with, with some kind of task, okay? before it becomes clinical. So it requires a lot of, maybe not conscious effort, because a lot of times, a lot of aspects of health go under a person's radar, but it requires a lot of effort on a person's, on an individual to cause that to happen in the majority of cases. So, okay. So I hope that etiology tree made it clear. And how does this relate to being selfish? So remember in the beginning, I mentioned that you want to try to be a bit selfish and you want to make sure any kind of task you pursue long-term, if you want it to succeed, whether it be a relationship, a friendship, or a career, you want to definitely be 100% sure that your needs are met first. This is important because those paths will not work out long-term if it's not, especially if a decent amount of them are not met, because you will grow that kind of disconnect, okay? And you will grow disgruntled towards that partnership, that friendship, or that career in a long enough time frame and cause this loop of disease that we just went over, or this etiology of a tree of disease that we just went over in today's, today's video, okay? So try not to settle, and also try not to get confused with like, for example, um, a lot of times I'll hear people say like, oh, engineering, like for example, it could be any topic though. Engineering is my passion. Okay, cool. If you found your passion in a career, for example, that's cool. But remember, you have to find an environment that facilitates that passion as well. So if you love engineering, but you love engineering in the sense that you love building cars, but you work for a place that has you building airplanes, there's a huge disconnect right there. Or for example, you love working with a boss that has a good comprehension of nonviolent forms of communication instead of being like always demand, like demeaning and aggressive, but you're working with that person, you see there's a, a disconnect between your core values and that will cause tension. And the bigger the disconnect and the more of those disconnects in your core values that you have, the more be ready for more obesity, uh, disease, uh, et cetera, et cetera, okay? It's just inevitable at that point because the central nervous system is so stressed all day, every day uh, to be able to handle that, especially when you consider the average person once again working eight hours a day, uh, six days a week, okay? So, relationships, hobbies. The next question is a lot of times I get uh, people are like, well, I don't I don't know my core values and that's fair, okay? And that's that's tough to really find out like what you absolutely love to do because it also changes you know, probably every decade as well, you know, in terms of what your real core values are. If you are genuinely, David, good to see you. If you are genuinely, Jim, good to see you as well. If you are genuinely in touch with yourself, here's a good thing to understand. As uh, Stefan Walensky would say, like you don't know, you only know who you are by first knowing who you are not, okay? So I'd recommend, th this is what I did personally, just try like a bunch of stuff, Sean. Good to see you. Just try like a bunch of stuff, okay? And make sure to keep like a notebook here that I'm looking at for my notes, for example. And you know, when you get in a relationship that doesn't work out, you know, thank that person because they just gave you the answers of what you don't want for your next relationship. And as long as you're really in tune with yourself and truly true to yourself, you will get closer, maybe not in the next relationship, but in the next two or three relationships to exactly what you want. 
But Charles, good to see you, but it's very important to not, not settle, not be, you know, under the pressure of social programming, except that's where literally like 99% of people go wrong uh, just right there. There's a really good book called The Crowd by a French author. I think it's from the 1800s called Gustavo Le Bon. And he mentioned, and you guys can practice this, it is the weekend with some of your friends here that have any hard set beliefs. And he mentioned that the bulk majority, I forgot the number he mentioned, but the bulk majority of people in the world are just going off of social programming. And literally, they don't even know it, okay? And the social programming is leading them to forms of obesity, uh, obesity and disease and addiction as well, okay? And you could ask them this, let's say they have like a hardcore belief, hardcore belief A. Okay, ask them, why do you believe in that? The bulk majority of people will be able to give you one layer deep of an answer. But once they answer that and just kind of be quiet, be patient, once they answer that, ask them, why do you believe in that? And then most people will just stop right there. They won't even know how to answer. And that is an indication that just they're just going off of social programming. And you can even try this with yourself. You know, let's say you have some kind of deep-seated belief. Ask yourself, like, why do I believe this? Then go a, deep, a layer deeper and see how far you can really go to find like a genuine answer to why you based your entire personality off of this one belief that you're probably even willing to die for. Most people are willing to die for these beliefs and they don't even know why they follow it. And if you just follow this like very, very easy kind of questioning technique, you will see it is true. Phil, good to see you. You'll see most people, why do you believe this? Oh, because uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, why do you believe that? Oh, well, I don't know. Or maybe very rarely they'll say something, another level, then ask them one more time. Why do you believe that? Why do you believe the third layer? And that's it, they'll just go blank, okay? And um, that happens all the time. One little example of how social programming really dilutes your self of sense. This is very simple and like somewhat not related, but it's, it's funny because a lot of people could relate to it, is the belief that, you know, like eating eggs and bacon is a morning morning ritual or something you need to do in the morning. But in fact, really pretty much almost no one ate eggs and bacon in the morning until about, I believe like 1950 or 1960 after World War II has ended. And because those industries were propped up to help the, the US military machine, after they were no longer needed, they were still trying to you know, use all those factories and all those resources. So they kind of set up a propaganda machine to make the average citizen believe that eggs are healthy and bacon is healthy and that is what breakfast looks like. And a lot of people eat that even today, not even questioning that. So imagine if you're doing something that simple, like how many things you're doing throughout the day thinking it was your decision all along, but it's completely not your decision. You're just kind of blindly following social conditioning. Just something to practice with you with you guys on, okay? Lisa, good to see you. Hope all is well. All right, so I hope that's clear and I hope that lets you guys kind of navigate around your goals a little bit more productively in, um, in 2022. That way I don't see a lot of you guys just really pushing hard at the gym and really doing some hardcore diet like fasting or something like keto or something silly of that sort. Uh, but you're really kind of taking productive steps and really getting to the etiology of why you're having, you know, issues with obesity 
issues with certain diseases or, or gut issues or anxiety issues or depression. You're really getting to the root cause of really getting to the etiology, staying as far away as possible from symptom management strategies. And they are tougher, they do take longer, but it's really the only way you can truly free yourself from suffering from that all of your life, okay? So I hope everyone is doing well and it's great to see you all. Thank you for jumping in and uh, have a good weekend. Take care.